0: From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Emily Blunt says there's a very unique way to being cast in a Christopher Nolan film like Oppenheimer.
1: You know, we had this meeting, we chatted for like an hour and a half, and then he very casually went, Alright, so you know, I'd really like you to play this role, and um, it's not a huge role, but she
0: really packs a punch, and I'd like, like you to have to look, you
1: know, it's just so casual, and so you're kind of left there going, is that, is that an offer?
0: I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Emily Blunt, who stars in this year's blockbuster Oppenheimer. Also on this episode, we talk to Flora and Sun star Eve Hewson. All that and the latest edition of the Roundtable is next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hello, everybody. Happy end of November. That's right. Tis the season of... Oscars and everything else I am Variety TV editor Michael Schneider Along with Jenelle Riley Hello, as Tankay, And Hello, Jet-setting Clayton Davis Hi dad So Clayton, you were on a plane You, you, you zoomed over to New York You sat down at the Gothams uh, Apple TV didn't allow you to talk About Trump and then you flew back <laughs> That was you? That was <laughs> me right? That was Clayton <laughs> they, that was, they, that was all they mean. censored Clayton's speech God. so what get, what was going on get, get, Set okay. the scene for for God. so so
2: for for people who are like what are you talking about um so the Gotham awards uh, were this week which are like the precursor indie spirit like usually the first uh they're the first um award ceremony of of the season um ungodly long i need to make sure everyone knows this they do 10 categories and it takes three hours and what? that doesn't make sense to me.
0: Oh, so it's like they a TV movie. The wow.
2: They're the new DGA and PGA. <laughs> so um yeah, so uh they do a lot of tributes, also is what adds to the night. They do a lot of tribute awards for the movies that don't <laughs> get that aren't in the you know uh get nominated or in the budget cap uh window. So Robert De Niro came on stage to introduce killers of the flower moon and robert de niro is 80 years old so i need everyone to understand this in real time he he was reading the teleprompter and i obviously we can see it where we're sitting and he starts like kind of like l- losing his way through it and you can see that like he's trying to work through something and i honestly believed for half a second that something medically was happening happening to robert de niro i got scared i was like oh shit please don't die in front of me, Robert De Niro. Like, it's everything okay? So he's like, no, just scroll down. He's like, they messed up my speech, right? And then he's just like, all right, move down, move down. And then he, like, kicks it off, whatever. He finishes that part of it. He goes, and here's Killers, and he shows the reel. So watching that happen, I was a little nervous. I didn't really, you know, because usually people is like, oh, they messed up my speech. But you didn't realize that maybe you are just confused, and that's what happened. Fast forward to the, the reel is over. In that time, Robert De Niro expertly, Got on his cell phone, into his email, and found the original speech that he had sent, and then shared with the crowd that his speech had been edited. This is not what uh, he had sent over. How dare they do that? He called out Apple, and a sigh. And I, I said this online, and people were like thinking I'm comparing the two of acts, and I'm not. Aside from being in person at award shows, aside from the slap at the Oscars, the most uncomfortable I've ever been. I I had projected anxiety and I wanted to die. (laughs) I could like I talked to every like after I was talking to every publicist. I was like, "Can you tell me like what that like looked like?" And everyone was like, "That is my worst nightmare, like happening in real time." I would quit my job right there because I wouldn't want to deal with the fallout of what would come. It's literally every publicist's worst fear of having your studio be called out by someone in the movie and saying that you did something to their speech. And listen, there've been fiery speeches in history. We all say, saw Jane Fonda, Marlon Brando sent, you know, Sashin Littlefeather up there to get his best actor statuette. We have never seen a presenter for a movie, you know, claim to have their, uh, speech altered. And then great reporting by Matt Donnelly and Brent Lang. Uh, we learned that the speech was up. A new speech was uploaded about ten minutes before the ceremony began. So, I think people are saying it's miscommunication. I don't really know what that is. And the parts that he did read, Robert De Niro ended up reading the part that was omitted. Is him talking about Trump, and you know, I was calling him a liar, and he lied over thirty thousand times. He's running for president. He he used his um. Pocahontas as a racial slur and being in there and now thinking about it, hindsight 2020, I don't know what people were afraid of that speech for, because no. it's kind of like if Leo cool. went up there and didn't mention climate change, we would be like, that's a little weird because him talking about Trump is on brand. Like, it's what he's right. been doing That is since Niro, 2016 yeah right.
0: and it, this isn't even a televised awards show it's sort of it's he's it, it does stream on youtube or it's facebook true. live one of those things
2: well, yes but it is okay. but it is it's recorded. Even, yeah. yeah
0: yeah but nonetheless it, he's mostly preaching to the choir so yes. it's sort of like let de niro de niro yes, exactly just let him
2: do it. and it's de niro like, like it, it's it's our two-time academy award winner robert de niro like I, you know, listen. We can only assume, and and we we only know what 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 is out there. But you you don't you just don't do that. You you don't do that. I mean, he looked so visibly pissed, and the room was really uncomfortable. And then by the way that happened right after charles melton had won so everyone was in a really good mood for like about 12 <laughs> seconds and then all that like it was literally like troy cotser winning the oscar and will smith slapped chris rock yeah. and everyone forgot that troy cotser won the oscar <laughs> it was like literally like that that kind of like abrupt uh change
3: but thank god for for charles because like fil- we'll film twitter because they they celebrated Charles' win but yeah, why would you censor Robert De Niro? Like it just makes no sense. Do you think that does any harm to to the film?
4: To
2: Yeah. That that was like the lot everyone kept asking me, like, do you think like the did you see the end of that campaign happen on stage? I'm like, no. Oh.
4: That's dramatic. No, I
2: was yeah. thinking. I was thinking. If anything, I think it's going to help Robert De Niro because actors, especially coming off a SAG sugar I'm like, hell yeah. yeah, fuck the man. Yeah, like, all about that. I mean, I'm so. sorry,
4: but it's one of those. Any publicity is good publicity.
2: Yeah. Most, yeah, yeah in most cases, yeah. most times, yeah. Like
4: people are talking about Killers of the Flower Moon and Robert De Niro again. So
2: yeah, but listen, do I think it may be. uh I mean, listen, in this world where we, where studios are vying and really fighting for top tier talent to work at their studios and, and using always the, the, the premise of like, come make your dream project here, you know, no holds barred, do what you want, blah, blah, blah. And then to see that happen publicly, you know, listen, th- maybe it's a conversation down the line with someone and they're like, do I really want to go do that? But honestly, the news cycle is what, like 15 minutes? So yeah. I, I yeah, people exactly. probably, Forgot about it already, and they're getting reminded now that we're bringing it up. And it'll be the last time we probably talk about it this season, unless something else happens.
4: And will be like, maybe. thanks, Variety. <laughs> Do we know it was it was uh, was Apple? I mean, I haven't heard anything official. Oh, about
2: oh, they did not officially say anything. And the Apple people were in the room. So as soon as they – it was probably perfect timing because as soon as he finishes speech, you know, the cast goes on stage. Leo was there. And then they didn't go back to their seats. They left the room, which, by the way, wasn't because of what happened. But, That's usually what happens. Yeah. at a, The most famous people, especially like Leo, but yeah, people around him, they were like, as soon as the award happens, you're out of here. So they like left, but they kind of lingered because Lily Gladstone's category was up next and she was up for an award, but for an uh, indie film called The Unknown Country. And then she won. And then we all got reminded of what just <laughs> happened before. <laughs> and then it was a little awkward again. And then that was it. Yay, Lily. Oh, uh, Lily. That's
4: so interesting. I re- didn't. I kind of didn't realize she didn't win for Kellers of the Flower
2: Moon. Yeah, a, a, a win by proxy, but a win is a win.
4: Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I just, yeah. I, I made an assumption, which was silly. Yeah.
2: Can I say uh, just something about Charles Melton real quick? And now seeing him in person twice. He might be one of the most handsome men. Very handsome. Ever, mm-hmm. like he looks yep. like he was hand chiseled by Jesus himself. Like he's just strong jawline, like just a just a, like a guy. And, I'm, and it makes me want to fight him when I see him. Like I immediately want to fight him. I want to be like, no, <laughs> I have therapy. to say like, I'm like, I, Oh, it's, it's definitely insecure. This man insecurity happening in real time <laughs> in front of you. But he, it, it's just like good looking kid. Go goes up there. His win was the one that really, Like, Because a lot of weird wins throughout the night that were surprising and like people were happy. But his was like, got standing ovation in the room. People were so excited for him. And I think we have the, I wrote, uh, I think we have the beginnings of A Critical Darling. I think he's going to, him and Gosling, I think are going to be the one, two in Critics Awards of the season. Mm -hmm. And he might do a lot better. He might do a lot more for May, December than people think he, well, I think he'll bring in that movie for a lot more nods.
4: He's um he's uh, very good looking and I think it's actually a testament to how good he is in that movie that you never think like, oh, he's too... Good. I mean, he'd also put on 40 pounds for the role and, you know, changed himself, but like... Stop
2: that? Now, Natalie Portman said that to me on last week's podcast and I immediately said, <laughs> F that. No, no. That is not dad bod. Go to hell. <laughs> that I was like, that no, <laughs> I, I will not accept that. Mike, I need you to stand with me on this. Do,
0: do, do you think... Is is he too good looking? Do you well, sit no, there seeing the no, thing? Like, the, like, no, so like awesome. the movie you, yeah. you kind of you like yeah.
4: you're able to this sounds silly, but you're able to overlook how good looking he is. And it's not distracting. And he does look very different in the movie than in real life. Yeah.
2: And, but I also think it's necessary like by the way, we know this is like in, in a very terrible premise that like when he was 12, he had an affair with a 35-year-old woman, and that's like the premise of the movie. But you have to understand, like, why a 35-year-old woman would be attracted to a 12-year-old boy. So you imagine Charles Melton as 12 and you're like, oh, I get it. No, no, I uh, don't think that's how it works. But but for me, that was like, I have to to understand, like, why, like, what, like, you could imagine that he was 12, but he probably looked like he was 17. And he was, like, a good-looking kid. So I'm not saying that justifies. I'm just saying it helped me Get in with the believability of of their uh, love affair.
0: Uh, Janelle just reached over. I thought she was about to call HR. No, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not condoning twelve year olds who <laughs> dating thirty five year olds. No, it's not
4: that. I just think that a thirty five year old woman who dates a twelve year old it's it has nothing to do with their attraction. It's oh uh, clearly yeah, something is not.
2: But also interesting. Uh, Todd Haynes also said in q and I moderated with him, and he might have said this to Janelle if you've done one with him recently. He said when he first met with Charles. He also said to himself, he's like, I never imagined Joe looking like this. And wow. he had to like kind of like rethink the character because when he saw how good Charles was, he was like, Is he almost too good looking for this? Yep. And he even had to have that conversation with himself. But I don't think it's not like it's like Austin Butler did it. I've been really distracted and not saying that one's better looking than the other, but there's like just it's it, the way Charles like lays he, into yeah. it.
4: Yeah. In a different way. He's mm-hmm. like, when I saw how tall he was in person, I was just—I mean, well, I'm always surprised when actors are tall in real life, but like he physically shrinks on screen. Yeah. You know, he's just—he's just like literally in—you know—folds in on himself.
2: And oh, like, his—the way he shrugs his shoulders when he's yeah. in the bedroom. Oh my god, it's, it's so great! And by the way, it's funny people being like tall, but then on opposite end, just like randomly, Killian Murphy, who is five seven, and why? Oppenheimer should win visual effects because he looks like he's six five in that movie. He looks <laughs> he does. like he's he so does. tall. And that man is five foot seven, and it's incredible.
4: Okay. I just learned something new today. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think five right?
4: seven is is fairly tall, but that's because I'm five <laughs> four, I guess.
2: As someone who is five eight and a half, and says oh, yeah. but says five nine just to uh, round it up, people sure. say all the time that I'm short, and five uh, seven people would
0: people are mean to us
2: oh short
0: short kings
4: who
2: tells
0: In you no wonder
4: you're it. so angry at charles milton yeah he yeah.
0: tells you you're short <laughs> we'll fight him
2: so i have my favorite snl bit from last year uh Mar- marcello hernandez when he did the short king uh bit during weekend update with colin Jost, and i love him so much yeah now. she got i mean not for that uh but yeah got-
3: it's very traumatic for me by the way <laughs>
2: yeah, you are <laughs> um but no no uh yeah Other other than that past lives one best feature it's soul win of the night, but still good when I actually sat at the past lives table with Greta Lee and Celine Song. And John Magaro, who I hadn't met in oh. person before. I want him to be in everything. I love He's him. So good. Such a good actor. I, I want him to get nominated for that movie. He so
4: should. I mean, that he is should. a he really should. supporting performance.
2: Yeah, yes, true support. Thank you, Janelle. True supporting. It is. You're welcome, So You're so is, so is Charles, though. I want to be clear about that. People were like, oh, yeah, yeah. is it category fraud? I was like, eh, no. I think it's what."
4: Charles? No. People
2: were trying to like throw that at me. I was like, I think, I mean, listen, I love her, but I think Julianne Morris is uh, is fraud. I don't think Charles.
4: Oh, I don't know. That's so funny. I hadn't thought of it that way at all. Yeah. Someone asked me about that last night, and I was like, I just think the movie is such the story of Natalie Portman's character, and um, I, I need to watch it again because I love it, but also really look at that because I really did see it as a supporting performance.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll look though. And then, uh, what else was what so past lives, uh, breakthrough director went to, excuse me, AV a. Rockwell, a thousand and one great over Selene song that listen, a 24, it was looking very bleak for a second. They had lost like, uh, international feature and screenplay, uh, zone of interest was up in those two categories and they lost both to anatomy of a fall. Anatomy a Fall is the only movie that won more than one award, um, that night which was uh for those two things um which by the way good big boost for that movie and also probably a middle finger against a france on behalf of neon being like oh, yeah, yeah you, didn't, you didn't choose uh-huh.
4: us that's right they chose Taste uh, of things okay which is a great movie uh, it's, it's,
2: it's, it, they were both they're both really good movies and julia binoche was there because she was a nominated for supporting actress I um love that. And then, uh, then that, was, that was it. The lead performance, again, Lily Gladstone by proxy, but but works.
4: What is the movie that Lily Gladstone won for? I'm so sorry. The, uh,
2: the Unknown Country. It debuted oh. at uh, South by Southwest in 2022 and then came out this summer It's from Music Box.
4: And you think voters really were voting for Achilles? No,
2: the- no, I, I actually don't think so because uh, uh, w- always noteworthy. Each category at the Gotham's is is chosen by a different jury of five people. Five people choose the winners, so you always wow. have to take these wins with a grain of salt. Uh, if anyone's been on juries before, like I have, I know. I think I think everyone here yeah. has been on a jury at some point. Like sometimes when you're determining winners, sometimes it's just like a simple, like, all right, let's vote and see what happens, or you have a really intense argument and passion plea about who you think should win. <laughs> You know, it, it, it varies from time to time, but I do think it's notable that she did like win. She I mean she beat out like Andrew Scott, uh you know, a lot of lot of big people there.
3: Um, just whilst we're on the subject of Lily Gladstone and her other film, Fancy Dance, which still doesn't have distribution yet. And she's I forgot
2: really, about the movie.
3: Okay. She's really good in that, and it's the complete oh, yeah. opposite kind of performance. Have you seen it?
2: No. Okay, I so just complete, heard about it, but I, I forgot that no yeah. one even had it.
3: No, nobody has it yet,
2: and it's like she's really yeah. Lily's is anyway. just such a great speaker. A uh, so, uh, 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 war strategist once told me, and I've really is always sat in the back of my head when when it comes to Oscar voters, they vote for who they want to hear speak, and I've always thought about that, and like so, and it really sometimes that's the deciding factor. Of, like, making a prediction sometimes, like, who do you just want to hear give a speech? Definitely. And and it does. Yeah. And Lily gives a great speech. Like, listen, I think that's why I think Coleman Domingo is super dangerous because listening to him talk is like,
4: oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Every time. I love him so much.
2: Like, but like last but, yes, like butter
4: like,
2: ah. like, like butter and jeffrey right like jeffrey jeffrey right too must, oh my god jeffrey, jeffrey right because i feel like jeffrey Wright might win the globe so when that happens like he's gonna get that first test and people will like feel it in their chest yeah yeah
4: oh the globes right which have a home now
0: globe yeah globes have home yeah yeah GPS.
4: which,
0: which Wait, we did... talked about last week did, did we, <laughs>
3: yeah, I remember. we did, yeah Oh,
2: time is relative oh okay <laughs> cbs uh by the way first two weeks of uh january are just going to be
0: oh my, the god. Worst. Yeah. Oh my god i mean if we keep All talking right. about it maybe it'll go away but so far it hasn't gone away so like, it's just like
2: and people yeah, we, have the people actually ask like oh uh do you have anything happening like try to pitch me something that was like do not ask me for anything 14 days in january i will no, bye, talk bye. to you
0: after. <laughs> my favorite question now of course it's the time of year where people ask so are you uh getting away for the holidays you going anywhere like you like, know I'm, I'm basically gonna be <laughs> crawled up in a corner like uh weeping a little bit i also love it forth.
2: don't you love it when it's a publicist <laughs> that, asks that and you're like what are you doing because i know what i'm doing right. and you're a publicist so i'm pretty sure you're gonna well, be here with we're
0: doing me. the same thing
2: right know? yeah <laughs>
4: Have told me that they they think between December sixteenth and like January second it'll be quiet. But I'm like that was before. Usually the voting is closed during that time. Voting is still open for SAG during that time. And I believe, oh no, yeah. So I think it's it's going to be very interesting.
0: Well, and, I mean, and the other we also had a is, six month strike. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, Claire, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we just totally had a strike, about so that. people aren't necessarily. <laughs> feeling like this is the year to throw down a couple grand to go somewhere warm and tropical i, I just don't think this is going to be the year people do that for the yeah. most part i mean no please go ahead.
3: no i was going to say people are like on film sets and they're back shooting it's like people were thinking no oh, it's going to be in january it's like no gladiator starts december 4 mm. or gladiator 2 even and tv shows but
2: too gladiator too furious that's the official title Actually, no, Pedro said it's uh Gladiator 2 Electric Boogaloo. That's what he said. That's, we're gonna keep it as that.
0: Um no <laughs> no no, no, I, no. I, it's Gladiator. Gladiator uh,
4: <laughs> I suggested last night a sequel to Flamin' Hot, Flame and Hotter.
2: Oh, that's good. Yeah, Actually, or it could, be, or, or could be called just Gladiators, but wasn't there uh, a movie, like a boxing movie in the nineties called
0: Gladiators? And
4: that's okay. There's we, yeah. we reuse names all the time. Um, oh, no, but, no, uh,
0: I know what you do. It's gladiator, but there's two eyes. Oh. oh,
2: genius. I did, I do enjoy play uh, like Black Clansmen. I, I always loved the KKK yeah. in the middle. Black Clansmen. Yeah. I oh, like, I love if you could do something like that that should be an individual Oscar on its own. But just uh, in December, just to keep this in perspective because December is Friday, people.
0: Look alive. Look alive, everyone. <laughs> it's rabbit Friday. Rabbit. So,
2: um, you know, obviously New York is, is this Thursday. So December 1st is is, is Friday. SAG uh, voting opens on the 4th, which is going to be its own thing. Um, then we have National Board of Review on the 6th. LA film critics announced on the 10th. Globe nominations are announced on the 11th. PGA noms for Docs are on the 12th. Preliminary Oscar voting from December 14th to the 18th, with the shortlist announced on the 21st. We have Children and Family
0: Emmys on the uh, 15th through the 17th. Don't forget Daytime Emmys as well that weekend. Oh, yeah. I
2: got, I to oh, add that to, Thanks for that <laughs> reminder. Uh, PGA NOMs are announced on December 15th. And then uh, WGA, that doesn't kind of matter right now in this awards <laughs> cycle because they moved, but their submission deadline is December 22nd. And then it will be quiet until January 2nd when uh, Moi, Makeup Artists and Hairstylists Guild, announce their nominations First day Back. Yeah.
4: But usually SAG voting and uh, NOMCOM voting and announcements uh, on SAG noms come in December. And now they've been pushed, I guess, to January. Um, so I feel like people are going to be out there campaigning over the Christmas holiday.
2: Well, I wasn't, maybe not campaigning per se, because I do think we got a lot, not we got, the studios had this lull because the strike has been over for how long now? Like three weeks? A couple of weeks. Yeah. I had predicted, I think we talked about this, that there was gonna be like a month of time because it was hard to just turn everything back on. So there's gonna be a lot of availability. So like Paul Mescal, great example, has been everywhere. Until now, and now they'll lose him for the rest of the season because mm-hmm. uh, he can't yeah. be out. So I think now, probably in the next like week, that's when we will probably lose everyone that was going to probably be on the circuit if they're filming something because they're going back to work.
3: Can I just be a negative Nancy here? Love it. Like, stag has to vote on their contracts by December 5. What if they don't get the majority <laughs> I'm well, so
4: glad I'm not in a room because you could all punch me right now no 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 i this has been a real
2: concern it, it, it was a legitimate question yeah. um, I think the but, i I think I read somewhere and maybe you know you could speak to this probably better than I can but the likelihood of not fifty percent seems really really low, but much like Tom segura had said during the stand up panel uh social media isn't yeah. Real, like mm. it, it's a very small pocket, and it seems loud, but sometimes it's not. It would be epic proportion catastrophe if fifty percent didn't. Like, do I think we're they're going to get ninety five? What was uh writers ninety five? I feel like it was ninety eight, but I couldn't so something that Mike. Do you know top of your head? But they're no, not at the
0: top of my head. But yeah, yeah but high
2: nineties. It was high. Yeah, yeah. SAG won't be that. I think SAG will be in the eighties, maybe even seventies which i think is a potential issue for a next contract but i it would be yeah all
0: they all they need is 51% and yeah. and i can't see a world where they don't get at least that because everyone wants to everyone's back to work now uh, the people who are back to work and everyone else i think it's just kind of exhausted and what so we go back to the picket line yeah
2: i think they would have to re they would have to vote to authorize a strike again and then at that point I, I think where I read it with AMPTP at that point would probably just be super pissed. The studios would be super pissed and they wouldn't run back to the table. They probably would be pissed that all this happened. And then everything that they conceded on probably, I, I, it would be, I think a game of strike chicken and they would be like, I am, we'll talk to you when, whenever this would go on probably for 2024. Yeah, like I think it, it would be like the end of the industry.
0: But in, yeah, in the meantime, that everyone would continue to work under the 2020 contract, so exactly, any of the gains the thing. would not be in place, and so it'd be it's just kind of a lose lose for everyone at this point.
2: Is that what happened in 2008? Like uh, they didn't go on strike, but they worked under an old contract, but then didn't get paid. Like re- they don't get retroactively paid. Like during that time, I think that you lose money or something. I think there's someone that I explained. How, like, there was a, a lull where SAG didn't go on strike, but they worked. And then once they finally did it, they didn't get that back pay. It just started like new.
0: Right. When, when you're working under a, a previous contract. Yeah. And yeah. And I think when that happened, that was back when SAG and after were, were two different guilds. So, so this this is would be sort of uncharted territory but again so I, 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 no jazz I, no <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: no my
2: it's a legit question though because again I think if you read through social media you exactly. feel like you feel yeah, like yeah. it's not gonna pass it, it does feel like that <laughs> do
4: you know oh no 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 I was just agreeing and also I, I, my understanding is that if it doesn't pass it's not like everything stops and we go back on strike again. It's what Michael was saying, which is things revert to the old contract. So
0: it would be, it'd be disastrous. Yeah. I, you know. um, not that we're taking sides here, but nah, nah, but like I mean, that
2: would just, be, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are, there are also just feelings about like what, there was, there was this feeling when the writers came to a deal that we all were like, writers spiked the ball, man. You did, you did good. You got everything you needed to like way more than we ever thought you could good on you. And after actors, there is I'm not saying I feel like this, but speaking to some people and everyone has their own conversations, it did feel like, like, okay, you guys did okay. AI still really messy though. You didn't get what you needed there. But it's also more complicated than the writers getting AI because putting a script through a machine versus like a bodied person are two different arguments to be made.
0: Yeah, I mean, I go by you know what our our labor expert Gene Mattis says, and you know he he has said that this is a, a much better deal than anyone ever expected Saga actor yeah. to get at the beginning. That they managed to pull off some some huge gains that if you had asked anyone a year ago would sag after get these kind of gains people would have said nah, no they they'll get some gains but they wouldn't get this amount so so i think yeah it's it's it is interesting sort of the the court of public opinion because sag after got a good deal because yeah. well wga got a good deal it's just the difference in some of the spin because there's some very loud sag after members who are saying hey no we should have gone the distance with with yeah, AI. Forgetting that this is a negotiation. You're never going to get everything you want. That's why and it's these, three years only. Yeah, these deals come up every three years because okay, if we didn't get everything this time, we have three years to get it right next time. And yeah. so let's get back to work.
2: And it's very early in the AI like realm of things. So there, it, I I mean, a glass half full. I don't think AI. I don't think Skynet will be here operational <laughs> in the ne- like within the in between. I mean, AI is
0: moving. That's what they want it, you to
2: think, yeah. Like like AI is here, but it isn't doing the the talk that the spheres that of what it can do. I don't think we're gonna be there in three years, but I do think we'll be headed towards it. And then that's when you, I think you put your stake in the ground. But as we, IOTZI, your move, like, I think that's gonna. Determine some stuff too so we'll
0: see Yeah yeah I also wonder Just how uneasy we're going to be Feeling next year in the middle of uh, the, the presidential campaign And Ugh. wow yeah. I'm I dreading 2024 I don't know what I'm going to do for, for that
2: reason alone like presidential year Fucking blows Like sorry for, it, Like, it, like it, it, It's hard to work through It's hard to be in journalism During that time It's hard to listen to people to have friends and family <laughs> like it's, it's, I'm it's, gonna
3: it's say the
2: like it, it, it's a very dark period and like this one especially you know i guess it just really depends on where we are and where trump is on any his number of indictments and then if joe's still here like you know there's just like a whole lot of things it's gonna be a rough year yeah there and if i see striking too it's gonna be even worse
0: Hey, oh, on that note, everybody. Yeah, let's exactly. Well, who, who are our guests <laughs> Mike, today? Mike, what films? Oh, I was going to no, say. Yeah. Wait, what did you watch? Yeah, Mike, what did you watch? Uh, well, first off, finally saw Barbie. <gasps> uh, Yay! Was the, the last people to see Barbie, I know, but loved it. Love, love, love it. Uh, as oh, wait, no, important
2: question: What's your favorite song in Barbie?
0: <laughs> I mean. They're all good. I, I do like the Billie Eilish song quite a bit okay. because it really like it's it. It moves me. And, you know, it's a very emotional moment in the movie. I I, I teared up several times during the yeah.
2: film. I, yep. I listen and jazz, you and I have spoken about this. We know politics come into this all the time. I think submitting three songs for that movie was such a risky move that could backfire because first of all, only two can get nominated from the three. Mm-hmm. The most you can get nominated is two. And what if the wrong two get in? And but that also depends like what you consider the wrong two to be. So that's why I really want to know what your favorite was. Because Billy Eilish seems like the safest like thing to do. But both that and Tua Lipa got nominated for Song of the Year uh, at the Grammys, and not I'm just Ken i'm just ken is the most fun song and it's like a movie song
0: yeah right yeah i think what's what's awkward about that and and the question of okay what do you perform at the oscars is yeah i'm just ken is the 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 crowd pleaser but it's also about ken (laughs) it's (laughs) a dude song and can you use that song as the the representation of barbie when it's you know it's it's a dude song, yeah, and so that's
2: I, I, we there's this, there's an ongoing argument all the time. I've spoken about with music branch people. I think we've even spoken about it once here. I think it was a legit question one day It's like, can you vote for a song? Like should you be allowed to, you, we're always like, you know, you have to watch a movie to vote for it. Do you think it's right for someone to vote for a song if they haven't seen the movie, but if they've heard the song? Well, do you, I do you really need it in the context of the movie?
4: I personally think—I mean—and this is this is my opinion—but uh, I generally like the songs that move the plot forward or actually have something mm-hmm. to do with the movie or enhance the movie. That's why I remember you're a
2: purist that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. yes.
4: Like, uh, let's hear it for the boy by Denise Williams from Footloose. Yeah. I should have yeah. won.
2: I love watched. that's where you went for
4: your example.
3: I remember I got anywhere in the history. I remember went.
4: well. I remember for, it was either Siskel or Ebert, one of them digging in really hard on this and saying like that is the song that advances the plot, is necessary to the movie, and it's a great song. And I always think about that. And so, like, so to that note, I would nominate. I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> uh, also, why I believe audition is the which should have won over City of Stars because I think uh, the Emma a star well, audition, so right yeah, yeah audition is like an emotional thing that like literally calls into her character where city of stars just feels like a song
4: I really liked, um, start a fire from La La Land. Yeah, it's a John Legend yeah, song. So that, yeah. That song is so tricky because you know, it can't be like a great, you know, uh, artistic song because it's supposed to be about like him selling out, yeah. but it's a catchy song. It's like, it fits the plot perfectly. Like, and it's, it's just a great song.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Barbie, uh, the Billie Eilish is is a safe choice. But uh, I'm just Ken is there and wasn't nominated for Song of the Year, so it's uh, ongoing debate.
4: Well, all and... three will make the shortlist, right? For sure, I, yeah. don't
2: I I don't know, like.
4: Oh, look! Last year they had Spirited. They had all these amazing songs from Spirited, which was a genuine original musical, and that movie couldn't get any love. And yes, I'm still upset.
2: Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's also three songs in Color Purple, but I think they only submitted two, two, I think, but we don't know for sure yet. And by the way, and people also like the branch always gets a little prickly about credit songs, they feel like credit songs are like kind of a sellout. And I think sometimes credit songs are fine, but I, but like in Color Purple, the Corey Hawkins song is my favorite original
0: of the movie.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree, actually. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's so good um all right thanks for watching movies mike i also saw wish by the way oh
2: Um, oh, wait wait, oh wait no what's your favorite song in that that's a better question
0: yeah uh what's the duet it's it's the 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 two of them at all costs yeah is that that's the one with the two of them right i can't remember titles right Uh, at the
4: beginning where they're face off oh really
0: oh for me it's the group song
4: same Michael, you are wrong. Factual. Yeah,
2: you're wrong, Mike.
0: <laughs> well, I, uh, I I will say, uh, when it comes to Disney films this year, Elemental by far. Oh, down by a thousand percent, two.
2: yeah. Best best Disney movie this year is Elemental yeah. by Mike. Yeah,
0: so it was a tad disappointing. I was ho- hoping because Elemental was a nice surprise. Uh, you know, because when I saw Elemental, it had already sort of at first was a disappointment at the box office. I went to see him like, this is great. Why aren't yeah. more people watching? And then it, it recovered. So I think that those I I think the expectations really yeah. do help. Thinking so, like, Oh man, here we go. Ready for another Disney movie. And it was kind of like, eh. yeah. Oh, <laughs> but
2: speaking of expectations, I think we can end with this Wonka. I think, listen, let the public assume your movie is going to be terrible. <laughs> I, think, I think you're going to get some really good reviews out of that because people were walking in like they were walking the plank and came out like feeling good. But I'll, I'll share the, the the best tweet I saw in jazz. You could share your thoughts. They said this is from the guy who did Paddington and Paddington, too. If you thought this was going to be bad, you weren't paying attention.
0: Touche, man. Touche. All
4: along. Yeah. Yeah. Touché. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's get out of here because we've got another long episode. So enjoy this episode of. Emily Blunt and Eve Hewson. Oh, Eve. Love it. All right. Well, we will see you all next week. Peace. Bye, kids. Bye. After the break, we talk to Oppenheimer star Emily Blunt. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Oppenheimer delves into the story of Robert J. Oppenheimer, the mastermind behind the atomic bomb, a weapon that forever altered the world. The film features Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, and Matt Damon. In Oppenheimer, Blood portrays Katherine Kitty Oppenheimer, the wife and former Communist Party member who supports the infamous creator of the atomic bomb while providing necessary reality checks, despite battling alcoholism and facing evident shortcomings as a mother. Even with limited screen time, the 40-year-old A-lister leaves an indelible impression. Can a distinction be made between Soviet communism and communism?
1: well in the days when i was a member i thought they were definitely two things i thought that the communist party of the united states was concerned with our domestic problems i now no longer believe this Believe the whole thing's linked together and spread all over the world and i have believed this since i left the party 16 years ago 17 years ago my mistake but you sorry 18 18 years ago
0: be familiar with the fact your husband was making contributions to the Spanish Civil War as late as 1942.
1: I knew that Robert gave money from time to time.
0: Did you know this money was going into Communist Party channels?
1: Don't you mean through? Pardon? I think you mean through Communist Party channels, don't y-
0: you? Yes. Yes? Yes. Yes. Then would it be fair to say that this meant that by 1942 your husband had not stopped having anything to do with the Communist Party? You don't have to answer that yes or no. You can
2: answer that any way you wish.
1: I know that. Thank you. It's your question. It's not properly phrased. Do you understand what I'm getting at? I do. Why don't you answer it that? Because I don't like your
3: phrase.
0: Since its summer release, the movie has grossed over $1 billion globally and was part of the Barbenheimer trend, enticing moviegoers to double up with Greta Gerwig's meta-comedy Barbie. Variety's Clayton Davis recently spoke with Blunt about Oppenheimer, her marriage to John Krasinski, her upcoming action film *The Fall Guy*, and working with Christopher Nolan. They began by talking about what she was up to during the recent Hollywood strikes.
1: I did attempt sourdough,
0: mm-hmm. you know. How'd that go?
1: Not very well. No, okay. um, but it's it's been, you know, I just I just professional mumming for for the last while, and it's been sort of wonderful yeah. to be with the girls in that way um yeah they were kind of very pro strike sort of furious <laughs> it was over
2: <laughs> they were like, wait what it means you have to leave now you're
1: working again yeah
2: um so you're here because you did this little indie film with christopher nolan <laughs> low budget it's
1: a shame no one saw it no one really saw it <laughs> i gotta push it you it,
2: know it was uh, Oppenheimer now listen you and I go way back and I've been on this Emily Blunt train for quite some time it's been very frustrating to watch the world not know yet that you should have a couple Oscars on your mantle but in Oppenheimer you with a smirk and like a eyebrow raise at towards that film's end it's just you don't understand, like what, like there was like a physical reaction, and am I screening for that? Really, of just like what, like what is she doing? Like, <laughs> like it was just like this, this turn on. You like zoned in. Is like something turned on, and it was just like th- this might be some of the best acting moments Emily Blunt has ever done oh my God. in her career. Thank
1: you, Thank you so much
2: for and saying that. What What did it feel like to work with? Uh, with with the guy
1: <laughs> with, the man. With, with the man i mean you know i think we're all rather awestruck by chris mm-hmm. he is extraordinary that massive brain of his and he's he's just truly the most visionary director around i don't know where cinematic experience would be without him mm-hmm. And exactly what you're talking about, the feeling people get watching his films, the, the kidnap of them, the, the you're so transported by the scope and the depth of them and they're so stunning and you feel like you're inside of the movie. And I've been such a colossal fan of his for so long. And so when he just wanted to meet me and sit down and he's, He's so sort of casual and quite sort of thrown away as a guy. Mm -hmm. And although there's this authoritative thing (laughs) about him and everyone's terrified of (laughs) Chris North, I find him so available Mm -hmm. and funny and... You know, I've been hearing, accessible that, all, I've been that, hearing that a
2: lot lately. Oh, how good, I'm funny glad. he is. I and, and I think there, I mean, listen, perception is reality because we think of like Christopher Nolan, yeah. like, you know, the man. And so many people lately have been like, he's actually pretty hilarious. And oh, I'm he's like, really
1: funny. Let's him do some
2: stand up. <laughs> like, let's get <kind> him of up <laughs> on a stage.
1: He's really funny. I mean, I think maybe he's, you know, quite an innately shy person, mm-hmm. but he's very funny and gets the joke and loves the gossip and watches love actually every Christmas. And he's just this sort of, there's Good this human. mystery about him. Yeah. And I think, I think it really works for him as well. you yeah. know But when you get to know him, it's just a whole different beast really.
2: Yeah. Um, I think you became so enamored with, uh, Irish culture with Jamie Dornan that you just wanted to follow it up a little bit, <laughs> and then you were like, "Let me go look for another great one." So you got yeah. some Killian Murphy.
1: Oh, the great Killian Murphy, Mister Ocean Eyes himself. Can I, you know?
2: can I? Can I? say by the way, like yeah. you know, again because I, like, you know, I'm the awards guy, so I follow like Oscar races for years, yeah. and I get into this like kind of. St- zone sometimes with some actors. I'm like, damn, they're such a good actor. And I feel like we missed our moment with them. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thought that about Kelly Murphy. I was like, he delivers such great work, but no one like ever like notices it. Mm. And then Oppenheimer came. I was like, oh yes, you're all going to like notice now.
1: Yeah, It's just such an uppercut, mm. you know, and it's just, you know, I think he's just riveting mm-hmm. as an actor. And I, I, I worked with him on quiet place too, as well. So we became pals and I really got, to be on the receiving end of just that kind of riveting thing he's got going on. He's also simply the nicest person in the world. If you get a yeah. chance to talk to him and he's so genuine, he's himself witty and funny and sweet. And he cares so much about every detail of him. Every- he sweats it, sweats every really? single detail. He's so immersed and, He's just he he is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, scene partner I've ever worked with.
0: Really?
2: Yeah, oh, I just wow. I
1: adore him.
2: High praise. Yeah, it's true. Killian Murphy. Don't get in, tell like, any of the others. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, listen, that's that, that's a good one to have because that is incredible. Um, when you get when you get the call, like I I mean, you're Emily Blunt level, right? Like you're just like I feel like everyone just wants you in their movies. But when I you get know. a do you get a call about Christopher Nolan, or do you like? Did your agent say, "Hey, listen, Christopher Nolan's making a movie, so let's like"? How, how did you get? How do you get into the Christopher Nolan sphere? I
1: feel like Chris is very specific about who he wants to cast and even who he wants to meet, and I think if you meet him it's likely that you will be doing it. Because mm. I don't think he's the guy who... who goes out to like... Not, not for these types of roles in his film. I think he just has a very specific take and he'll go for his first choice and they'll always say yes mm. because yeah. it's Chris Nolan. So I felt when I met him... You know, you never want to assume anything. Mm-hmm. At, at least I wouldn't. But he you know we had this meeting we chatted for like an hour and a half and then he very casually went All right so you know I'd really like you to play this role and um, you know it's not a huge role but she really packs a punch and I'd like like you to have a look <laughs> you know it's just so casual and so you're kind of left there going is that is that an offer yeah. you know <laughs>
2: You're like, do I say yes right away? Or do I let him exactly. like think? It comes a mind, mind game. Well, I think
1: I said, like, I don't care if it's a scene. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I'll be
2: the janitor. <laughs> I, I don't,
1: whatever you want. Um, so it kind of went like that. And then we took, I read the script and then we talked for another hour or so afterwards. And, and I just remember walking away, just feeling like I was walking on air. I was just so
2: thrilled. Mm. I was so thrilled. That's, that, this is incredible. Um, Looking at your breadth of work, and listen again, Emily Blunt fan club meeting today at <laughs> three o'clock. But you know, Devil Wears Prada, Into the Woods, Looper, my my favorite, which is I, which is an undercover favorite that I don't hear people talk a lot enough about, is Edge of Tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's as, a culty that, that's one. The, that's
2: the one. I'm like, guys, yeah, we missed the train on that one as yeah. well. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns. What you're touching different genres uh dramatic you know uh, action comedy is there something that you're that you you feel yourself naturally drawn to or at this point it's like whatever is a good role is a good role
1: i mean yeah i think it's about like what is something that makes my teeth ache because i want to kind of bite into it you know i don't I have not lost my desire to feel frightened by a role. I don't want to do something I've done before. Mm. Um, I think that feeling of excitement and terror is sort of what I look for okay. usually. And um, conflict, right? You just want conflict, someone who's complicated, someone who is not.
2: Oh, that's a ride a horse like like in a very like a lot of lot, a lot of surprising horseback riding and not but I Well I think I think, I think Chris
1: was a bit surprised at our horseback riding um, there's there's an extra scene that was not supposed to be on the schedule that day. I think after Killian and I did our scene where we sort of gallop up the hill and then mm-hmm. I, we have our first kiss and we have mm-hmm. our first scene. But I think Chris was sort of relatively impressed with our horse riding and so we then he was like look I've got the camera car. I mean, why don't we just like and he had the crane. So he was like why don't we just do one of you galloping across the desert you know and the stunt team were like you know because it was so unplanned for it and I was like great because I'd just done this western and I was really confident Mm -hmm. and Killian had not really done much of that and so I remember just before we (laughs) took off he goes please don't go too fast
2: (laughs) And you're and like, then, I'm a pro man. Like, yeah, yeah, no, keep but up.
1: but but what was great was Chris was like, look, Killian, you can just let her take off at some point and just pull the horse back. But um, which is
2: exactly what happened? Which is there was such a <laughs> wide shot, and you're just so far ahead. But now we know and why. And the
1: horsemaster was like, just no, like your horse really likes to chase the camera car, so it's, really? it's going to try and race. it. Oh my god, that's oh, like, it was so fun. It was so exhilarating.
2: Um, we, sh- this movie is piled up with just a bunch of stars, a bunch of. Nobody's matt damon uh, <laughs> he? robert downey jr <laughs> like uh, it was it, it's just insane i think like i want to know what christopher nolan's cell phone like his contacts looks like he doesn't
1: have a cell phone uh,
2: of course he doesn't did you know that no i didn't know that no, he
1: is inaccessible and it, he likes there, it that way
2: this is like uh oh,
1: everything I, goes through emma
2: oh so yeah so emma, emma's, uh, cell uh, phone uh, emma's cell phone is
1: just chock block yeah. full of so names. that's how you
2: get to Chris. You have to get him through Emma. Yeah. But, but, I mean, this all-star I mean, we, you know, you don't do this for, like, the notoriety or the acclaim. But you're, like, you know, taking on this movie with so many big names that are equal to yourself is there like a fear that that kicks in because when he was casting this movie every like day we were like who's an oppenheimer now (laughs) like like who like how many like how many roles are going to be in this movie and then we see it but it all blends beautifully
1: yeah but i think everybody just wants to work with him you know everyone runs to work with him and because they know it's going to be an unparalleled experience and I think actors deep down, they really want that. They want the screws tightened on them. They want to exert themselves to do their best work. And Chris commands that mm-hmm. and just by being who he is. And he's able to elicit that out of people. Yeah. You know, he just creates the best environment for you to kind of – he kind of gives everyone wings mm. because everyone feels safe. I think I realize – on a lot of films where there's more chaos or ego or different agendas or, or it's just um the quality might not be there i think actors feel unsafe and therefore you're more closed down yeah and i think chris is able to alleviate any stress and so you just focus on what you're doing
2: yeah mm. uh I love to talk about the scene that proves it. And that's the one I call like, you know, when someone becomes an Oscar contender, it's because of the <laughs> scenes, the Oscar clip I call and it's that scene, uh, near the end during the deposition where I said, you did the smirk and the, and the, and just did this amazing acting achievement. Can you tell me about the creation of that scene? How many takes, sure. uh, you know, wh- how did you zone in sure. to deliver?
1: I mean, it was actually one of the last scenes I shot and, um, was a very claustrophobic set by design, you know I think we all apparently oppenheimer was um was sort of uh reduced to being interrogated in this really kind of shabby little sure. room somewhere and I think what I loved about the scene and when I read it i i thought this was very clever as well is just I think with the character Kitty, you've seen her at this point in the film, she's become so volatile and unpredictable. And, you know, dangerous, probably, through the drinking problem and just her own just quiet desperation. And so in many ways, she's sort of set up to fail in that scene in a great way. She's barely walking in a straight line. as she's walking in there, you know, she's A few deep by the time she gets (laughs) in. And so I think it's just a great setup for a character to win. And I thought it was just an incredible scene where you see that extraordinary brain that has deteriorated through um, the contortion of having Mm -hmm. to be a good housewife or a mother, which she was terrible at both. Yeah. And that brilliant brain that's really gone to waste and you see that kind of reclamation of it in that scene. And I always loved that when I read it and that she can kind of ambush them. And so it was all there, yeah. you know, on the page. It's just, and I had an amazing partner in Jason Clark, It was mm. so intimidating and... <laughs> you know, he was just such a pit bull. And but a nice guy a, in real life Yeah, he's too. a great guy. Yeah. But he just had a great energy, an energy yeah. that just like sucks the life out of the room, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, it was just terribly exciting yeah. to do the scene. It just was. It yeah. was, and you know, you don't, I don't set myself up thinking, oh, this scene's a big boy or this scene's a big boy. Like you kind of don't know what it's going to become. But I think Chris allows for a lot of scenes to just transcend what what mm. you might have thought they were going to be.
2: Sure, I, I, it's, that scene is going to be in the ether for quite some time. Thank you um, so much. Again, because you said with the awards editor, there's like a little stat that I don't know if you know. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you know what you have in common with Idris Elba? No. You and Idris Elba. Two two Brits, obviously. <laughs> um, are the only actors to ever win SAG Awards and not go on to be nominated for an Academy Award.
1: The, really? on, the only the only
2: two in history.
1: That's that's a slim you, thing. You, you Trust were... me, I was very shocked yeah. Two have won a SAG. Yeah.
2: Award. <laughs> It was, it was you and Idris Elba and it was uh, Idris Elba for Beasts of No Nation which I think was the year before, 2015 and Quiet Place was oh, 2017. So interesting.
1: I mean honestly that night at the SAGs I still laugh about it that out of the five nominees I think I was sixth in line to win. Like I just like had no
2: <laughs> You're like I'm not like, I'm, I'm, coming like, to a, I'm coming to hang out.
1: Oh yeah I was like leaning back against John in the scene just like ready to clap and it was so shocking. John and was so happy for like, oh you my get, god he like, so
2: happy. Get, it's so super giddy and, and Wonderful! Oh, like good. how happy he was no, we for We were you. so
1: shocked. It was so awesome. But
2: th- and that's because again, like you know, it, it really adds to what you mean in this business. And a lot of people, you know, you don't do it for accolades, but you do it because you're because you you love movies. Do you recall the movie that kind of did it for you? That was like, I got to do something in this. Like this is. Important.
1: Do you mean me personally? You personally? Or- okay. No, no, my
2: movies, yeah, not like, no, no, else. no, okay. like, like a, a movie you watched as a kid. Oh, a, a movie kid. I
1: watched as a kid. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, I swear to God, some of my earliest memories as like a teenager was watching Julia Roberts in mm. like Pretty Woman, and I just thought she was so magnetic and Mm. you know it's that thing everyone talks about what a movie star she is but she's the most brilliant actress as well and i think she was my first like big wow influence you know and then i watched kramer versus kramer with meryl Mm. and that was another one where it was one of the first sort of movies from that time period the 70s that i watched and deer hunter and and I remember those films striking such a deep chord with me, just the aliveness of them. And yeah. the acting seemed so real, and so spontaneous and sort of unplanned. And I thought that must be really exciting, you know, that kind of human experience.
2: you remember the first time you said to yourself and it clicked and you said, I'm going to go be an actor. I'm going to go try <laughs> to do this.
1: I feel like I kind of
2: – Or did you fall into it?
1: I kind of fell into it, to be honest with you. And and I'm so – thank God I did because I I am so in love with it. I'm so grateful to do it. But
2: what would you be doing, you think, if you weren't acting I'd like to
1: like cook or something. I mean I'd like to be I mean, banana a bread, chef. right? Be, I mean, listen. Banana bread and sourdough. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: That's yeah, all you need, yeah, right? Yeah, to be a yeah, chef. <laughs> yeah, banana
2: bread and mediocre sourdough. <laughs>
1: really really rubbish sourdough. Yeah. Um I was when I was eighteen. I, uh, an agent came to a school play of Mm -hmm. mine and to be honest with you, I did not have a rose tinted view of acting before then. My mum was an actress and she really struggled after having four kids and trying to balance it and juggle it. And I could see so much regret, you know, of the dreams that got sort of, um, squandered by circumstance. And so I kind of, um, was nervous about that. I wasn't looking at it with a fierce ambition. Or yeah. anything. So when this agent came to see me, he was like, I think you're good. You know, you should do this and I'd like to represent you. And I was still in school. I was like, oh, okay. And so it's not that I had a casual attitude towards it. I just wasn't expecting anything. And
2: you weren't looking for it. No, I wasn't no. looking
1: for it. And then I started to audition and then I really got bit by the bug. You know, you know and I saw it. auditions as an opportunity and loved it. Loved loved it. Still love it.
2: It's, it's funny you said Kramer versus Kramer and then you do Devil Wears Prada and then it's <laughs> like this like what am I like do you oh, tell, it's so do you tell yourself like what am I doing? Like, oh, like um, I still
1: do <laughs> all the time. time. <laughs> yeah, I completely dissociate from <laughs> anything that's happening to me. It's yeah. like it's sort of just like people are talking about someone else.
2: <laughs> um I I let, let me get this out of the way real quick. What about your husband? Uh, I, I wanna, okay. Okay. He's perfect in a lot, a lot of ways, but we have to <laughs> talk about some bad stuff. Uh, he was in... Uh, an Avengers movie as Mr. Fantastic yeah. that uh really caught that's an Avengers, Doctor Strange. Um that's right. And 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 I always get curious as you as the out you know, as a wife and just like the person, when did when do you learn or when do you learn that he's like doing stuff like this and how or, or are you constantly hounded about that because they think that you would know? certain information regarding I mean
1: I think people do want to ask me because I think they think I am in the know which I hope I would be in the Mm -hmm. know it'd be sort of strange if we didn't discuss Mm -hmm. it at home but um truly truly it was just like a one-off he thought it'd be fun Mm -hmm. and great and that's it
2: but and obviously you have to blame him because he's the catalyst of the birth of like, oh, Emily Bunt's about to be the Invisible Woman, like that. Yeah. went everywhere. Of, yeah, like, I, it was, I think it was just a natural like fit of like what what would happen. Sure. But what well, what are some of your uh, future ambitions, movie wise? Because you are working with so many different directors now. I think there's got there's a bunch that you you still want to touch and get. get oh my in god! On. Of
1: course. I mean, endless directors <laughs> Some directors I want to touch.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> just like, can you it? There's so many people I want yeah, to touch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't I mean I want to work with the 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 guys who are just doing the most exciting rare things. Like I think Jurgus is amazing. I think that oh God. I think Paul Thomas Anderson's amazing.
2: I thought about that too during Inherent Vice, yeah, I I remember talking to a friend and saying like, I feel like if you threw Emily Blunt in this movie, in the cat, like in the Catherine <laughs> oh, Waterston role, which is great. oh she's, she's so great, she's brilliant. so great in it. But I, it was the first time I was like, oh, I think I want Emily in a PTA movie. Oh, like, I'd love to. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think he's brilliant. and yeah. he's just utterly brilliant. And I'd love to work with Chris again. I would just adore it. I loved working with Denis. I'd love to work with him again. I mean, there there are guys I'd love to work with again, like because mm. I think there's a sort of safety with that you kind of know that you're collaborating with someone who sees all of you and you see all of them and it's just easy and so i don't Mm -hmm. know
2: two billion dollars later can you comment on the barbenheimer craze (gasps) that took over the nation
1: we loved it it was so thrilling and i'll tell you something because of the strike happening we left the london red carpet Mm -hmm in unity with uh, with the union and we went and all had drinks together, but we never all got to watch the movie together. So I never saw it with an audience on mm. a big screen, which yeah. was always a little sad you yeah. know, because it's such a big, it's that movie yeah. that you want to do that. So John and I snuck into, we found an IMAX in Nyack, New York in a shopping mall and yeah. we snuck in when the lights went down and it was a 4 p.m. screening on a Wednesday, on a thursday in Nyack and people were walking in dressed as him really and i just got goosebumps i was like oh! i called emma and chris about it i called killian i was like you're not going to believe what just happened cuz you just yes you'd maybe expect it in the middle of new york city sure. or something but that's where you know when you see a bunch of kids walking in with pipes hanging out their mouths in trilbies oh like, this is amazing it was just so cool
2: that is bonk. Like I, I'm sure there's someone listening to this podcast right now where they're like, I, I saw it in Nyack, New York, and looking at their. As, that was a Thursday. Um, I mean, did you go see Barbie, by the way? Did of course. You, oh, yeah, I've, seen yeah, it
1: three, I've seen it four three, times. Four
2: times. I've and seen it
1: four times. I saw it twice in the theaters, once alone, and then once with the girls, and then I saw it twice at home because the girls are just so obsessed and – they're obsessed with Margot, but they are just crazy for Ryan Gosling. They are just... They've never that's had another, any one, interest in meeting anyone I've worked with apart from Ryan.
2: Ryan Gosling. Yeah,
1: he's the only one.
2: He... that comedic brilliance in that movie. Utterly who, 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 brilliant. Who'd have thunk?
1: Well, um, I worked with him over the kind of December-January period. And he is just as witty and smart as you could ever dream him to be. He's just brilliant
2: fall guy yeah. I, like i need this in my veins like yesterday oh you're gonna what, what, love it is it is it's it just...
1: just the most uplifting joy bomb ever it is mad and funny and huge mm. i'm so thrilled to be in it I, I i saw it recently i think we just moved it to may yeah to a may release but it's more of a summer movie
2: anyway. I mean, it feels like a summer movie
1: yeah.
2: um w- just one more question about barbie do you wish you were in barbie like as one of the barbies like did you feel like you saw <laughs> it, you were like i could i could be standing there
1: no because they're all brilliant yeah yeah it would have been a bad uh it would have for,
2: for you too <laughs> just, can you imagine trying to juggle all that
1: yeah no i mean everyone was so that so Gre- Greta
2: Lee this year. Greta Lee, who's in past lives, oh, yeah. uh, did the did the voice in Spider Man, and both premieres were on the same exact day in oh, June. Oh gosh, and,
1: was she running around?
2: And she was like, she was like, okay, I guess I gotta like balance this <laughs> out real quick. Um, okay, so some projects on the horizon. We, we mentioned Fall Guy. You yeah. said you said I'm gonna love it, and that Ryan Gosling is bad in it, so I'm gonna hold <laughs> on to that. Uh, Jungle Cruise 2, is I'm hoping, hoping. I mean, I don't
1: know. We have a script in the works, which is really awesome. Okay. And it's just going to have to be when everyone's ready to rock with it.
2: What's, uh, if with, uh, Mr. Krasinski? Well, I, I do a
1: voice in it. That's it. I do a voice. <sighs> yeah. Fine. But I'm working on a few things. There's a project about Kate Warren, who was the first female detective. mm Um, British American American in the 1890s and it's a very cool exciting project that we're kind of writing right now and I love that Hugo Blick who I did the English with so he's written this extraordinary movie which is like giant it's like beautiful so there's a few things that I'm hoping will happen but I don't really know yet
2: long rumored and I just spoke about it before live die repeat and repeat like is that ever is that that it's been rumored forever and it's it's still on your IMDb as of today it just says rumored when's the last you heard of it and obviously we
1: talk we talk all the time about it
2: just text each other we do I mean
1: Doug and I are always talking about it and I know Tom wants to do it hopefully at some point but it's timing it's it's timing, but it's also, it's been 10 years since we made that one.
2: Time makes the heart grow fonder. You
1: know, it makes, I, I agree. I think there is, there was an amazing script in the works, but I think it would only have worked if we shot it eight years ago. Uh, you know, I'm not saying we're that ancient, but I'm saying you've got to kind of factor in that it's 10 years later.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of us look the exact same from ten years ago. <laughs> but, right? We'll see. And uh, my my most uh, interesting question I have for you, because I have wondered if um, John Krasinski is having an effect on you in some way. Okay, is there a day that Emily Blunt is going to get behind the camera and direct <gasps> something? I mean, I mean, I look, I've I, I imagine seen... you would be so amazing as a director. Your way with <laughs> actors would probably be like among the best. I just imagine it would be pretty spectacular I think
1: I'd be okay with actors I think if you do it you'd probably figure out the best language for working with actors but I also see the toll it takes on people to Mm. direct a movie and I would I think what I'm loving right now is the producing and the creator producing and I love the pre-production the post-production I love every aspect of it I think I will never say never I don't feel I'm ready yet, but not I will today. never say never. It's so, just about me, to be honest, It's just yeah. about having the guts to do it. You know, I have plenty of friends who decided to do it, and they've been brilliant at it, and they were terrified, and they just did it, and they were great. And, you know, John didn't know he was going to be as good as he was. You just have to leave, I didn't
2: probably. either. I, like, genu- like, not, I'm married not- to him, and yeah. I didn't know. Like. <laughs>
1: And I was, like, truly, like, the week before we started filming, I was, like, do you know how to shoot this movie? Like, do you know what
2: you're doing? I, I have never sat down for a movie and be, like, oh, man, what are you doing? Like, like before really? it started. Were you
1: scared for him? I was,
2: I was, like, oh, he's going to ruin it. Like, I've loved him for so long. Yeah. It's just going to, and, and then. Isn't
1: that great to be the underdog? Could,
2: could not believe oh, how great he was.
1: I think he was sort of, you know, because he's such a cinephile and. He's fully immersed in watching everything, and he he's he's so visual as a person. So, I just remember that first day seeing him move that camera around, and I was like, "Who is this?" Like it was just this whole other. It's like discovering your partner has a superpower that you did not know he had. It was so mm. thrilling. Quiet three. Well, Killian and I, you know, were saying if John did it. You know, I don't I feel did. like if it was the
2: team. Back Only if John does. Only John John John, John John, 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 Well,
1: come on. he's yeah, birthed no. the whole no, thing. I know. He's, you a, know? he's,
2: he's, he's I, I'm saying this place, it comes from straight love. Actually, my, my wife and I do call each other in real life. We're like, we call ourselves a living Jim and Pam from The Office. You do? Uh, like how we got, of how we, like, Do our, you know
1: how many people still yell out like I wish you were with Pam like when I'm walking next to him
2: (laughs) hi guys where's
1: Pam I was like she's not here have
2: you ever ever met Jenna she's the best she's
1: one of our dearest friends we love Jenna you guys should
2: do a movie together oh my god God. God. not directed by John though but you guys can talk a lot of shit about John in the movie it'd be great great. Uh, last last bit is just a little game because you've worked with such amazing directors I just want to ask you first thing that comes to mind knowing that it may not be the right, right answer what's your favorite movie Movie of theirs, so I'm gonna say the director. Okay. You tell me Ooh, your, their favorite movie. How thrilling! Christopher Nolan,
1: Oppenheimer, and right. second. No, I, so it's not movies yeah. I've done. It has to be another one. Yeah. Okay, I mean, Dunkirk. Be. I love Dunkirk. I've Dunkirk. seen it so many times.
2: Nice. Uh, is that my? Uh, I, I go back and forth by. I think it's the prestige. Sometimes, yeah, the prestige and the dark but, but Oppenheimer dark is light. like, I mean... like 2 I'm fine. And Dark Knight obviously yeah. is like. Okay, some... I, but
1: if you ask me, I will say. Now, are these just directors I've worked with?
2: Yeah, just directors. So you I'm going to
1: say excluding things that yeah, I've done. Sure. i Fine, because that's boring.
2: Yeah, uh, Rob Marshall,
1: <gasps> Chicago.
2: Yeah, you and I spoke when we spoke uh, during Into the Woods. I planted the seed, and we talked about you playing Sally Bowles if they ever oh. did Cabaret. And there's still time for this. So, Rob Marshall, if you're listening, Yeah,
1: but for the movie, like, Like, who can do it? I I, I mean, no, I mean, I know, but. I've I've already stepped on some toes there by, (laughs) you know, the iconic Julie Andrews. I don't want to kind of make a habit of it. Uh,
2: Denis Villeneuve.
1: Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Oh, my God. Did you see En that he did?
2: yes. It's it's great. I thought it that's was not so that's so not so my incredible. answer, but it's it's, it's so great.
1: Um, what's your answer? Arrival. It's awesome. It it,
2: it, it shatters my heart I into prisoners. pieces. I, I love prisoners. Oh, I, I do. Love, I'm I, I'm a very big love, lover Huge of prisoners. Huge fan of that one. Uh, not a director. Tom Cruise. Though. What's your favorite Tom Cruise movie?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Mm, that is so hard. I mean, I love him and Jerry Maguire. Let's go on. No, you don't like it, do no, you? No, I do
2: no I do. I think I think I usually say Magnolia. That's usually oh, my stock that, that's my stock Magnolia. answer, but yes. Jerry Maguire I say is his best movie star yes, performance yes, yes. of like yes. epic proportions. Um, what's your favorite Meryl Street performance?
1: Kramer versus Kramer.
2: I'll I'll accept that answer. Uh, Mike Nichols.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, this is so hard. That's really, really tough. Because I love Closer, but I love... Um, oh my God,
2: that's... Is that, that your answer? Yeah, yes, mine is Closer. Oh, I love that I, I'm movie. supposed to say Virginia Woolf, but it's Closer. I love Virginia...
1: I was going to say Virginia Woolf. I would say mm. between those two. But I just think Closer was just... Just. Oh, I knew you were slayed. good Slade. It was amazing.
2: Amazing. I, I don't <laughs>
1: think I've ever said Slade in my life. This is, a, <laughs> this it, is the first time it, and maybe it, the last. It, it,
2: it fit perfectly. Uh, <laughs> last one, uh, actor that you've worked with twice now, I think, Ooh. Mr. Matt Damon.
1: Oh, Diamond. Good old Matt Diamond. Um,
2: I love that that's taken off, by the way. Oh, Matt, Matt Diamond. Diamond. Oh, oh, I just it's, I it's love Diamond Diamond. I love Dimonder. it so much.
1: Uh, God, he's brilliant. I think he's so brilliant in True Grit.
2: Ooh, that's like... Isn't oh, he
1: funny I, in he, it?
2: He's really funny. I think Matt Damon, much like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, are such funny comedic they actors. Are so
1: funny. Funny. I wish they
2: did more comedies. I mean,
1: Leonardo is one of the most uninhibitedly funny people on screen. He's – and it, it, I think it's down to commitment, yeah. right? It's the guys who just commit and put their feet is to it, the You see what go Gosling
2: this year? Oh Mark Ruffalo God. is hilarious in
1: How is poor things? I cannot it, wait. I'm Mark, salivating Mark, to see Ru-
2: Mark Ruffalo has a five-minute bit that – is the best thing he's ever done, really. I like he has no business being as good as he is in that movie. Is that M it's, Stone? Just uh, Emma off is
1: the charts. Emma, she's, do you know, she's my favorite. She's, she's my favorite girl I, I, working I actually, in this industry. She's my favorite.
2: I moderated yesterday, last you night did? with her, her first one in LA since Aww. the strike been back, and she's dangerous.
1: She's, she's super dangerous. Aww. She's my
0: favorite. That's Emily Blunt, star of Oppenheimer. Director John Carney is behind Flora and Son, which stars Eve Hewson, Jack Rayner, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The wistful heartwarmer about a feisty young single mother determined to learn to play guitar premiered to a wave of warm reviews at the Sundance Film Festival. Variety's Jazz Tank recently spoke to Hewson about overcoming hurdles to sing and play the guitar in her new movie, She breaks down her songwriting process and what it was like working with director Carney. And she also confirms bad sisters season two will be back and discusses working with creator, Sharon Horgan. They began by discussing the warm response she's experienced for the film.
5: Sundance was so special, so special. And I was so scared. My God, when we made this movie, I was so proud of it. And then the minute we finished it, I was like, Oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? Was it going to be good? And To go to Sundance and to have that reception where people were like laughing at all of our jokes, like totally got it. Then crying, like hearing people like sniffle and cry and like looking at my mom who was next to me and everybody just clapping along to the songs. It was so special, so special.
3: And then beyond that, you know, it's screened, and then now it's streaming on Apple, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, it's it's almost like it gets this other life. But, um, I mean, let's go back. Talk about getting that call from John mm-hmm. um, and what he said to you about the film and the character and what was your reaction to that?
5: Well, I had read the script and I had a very kind of intense, visceral reaction where I just was like, this is my part. I have to make this my part. This is it. This is it. You know, and like you rarely have that. And it, you know when it hits you and you're like, this has to be mine. Um, And then I got on Zoom with him and I basically said that. <laughs> I basically was just <laughs> like, this has to be mine. This is the character. This is how I'm going to play it. And this is that and the other. And he's great. We just connected. He was like, yes, 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 yes. And I don't think he really considered me seriously for it and then after that zoom it was like I mean I think I remember he was like you know what What I need is like someone who's just gonna come in here and just like choke it you know what I mean choke that character and I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna choke it I'm gonna (laughs) choke it you know we were both kind of like you know like going crazy about it and I think we kind of ignited each other a little and then the next day I found out I got the part
3: oh my god that's such an amazing story okay and then he says to you I mean there's the singing aspect of it all. Yeah. Right. And you've been very public about it, saying how much you didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't like the fact that you And you also had to play guitar too. Yes. A relearn how to play the guitar. Um what conversations did you have with John about that and overcoming that hurdle?
5: Well basically I said to him I was like, listen, you're not going to get Mariah Carey, you're not going to get Beyoncé or Celine Dion. That's not my thing. And um I had taken this acting class in college when I was studying drama at NYU and it was called acting a song. And some people would get up and they would be like musical theater girls and guys and they were fantastic. But other people were just like actors you know, yeah. and they never planned on singing. And I was definitely one of them. And our teacher, Betsy Parrish, she kind of taught us, if you think about your character and you think about what your character's trying to say and who they're trying to speak to, then your singing weirdly comes across better. It sounds better because you're trying to communicate something instead of worrying about hitting a note. And so I remembered that. And I just said to John, I was like, what I can do is give you... Someone who's trying to say something, trying to express themselves, someone who, you know, has never done this before, but um, I can make it sound real, I can, I can, you know, Bring it from an honest place and he was like that's exactly what I want he's like this isn't a star is born you know I don't want this to be a story <laughs> where she goes off and she becomes you know a superstar or wins American Idol or whatever he was like I want this to be about a real person who's just discovering that she's a creative you know being yeah. so it, it worked in my favor the pitch worked there you go um what was the
3: first song that you had to like um you actually wrote But the music, too. So not only are you overcoming this hurdle of having to sing and learn, you know, relearn the guitar, now you're writing
5: music. And that came, like, about three days before we started shooting. So it was like, I'd spent two months trying to learn the guitar again, trying to figure out how to sing and, you know, all that stuff. And I kept saying to them, well, when are are we getting the songs? I'm going to have to practice them. And he was like, yeah, 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 they're coming around, they're coming around. And we didn't have any. And so when our first day, I'm like, we have to shoot these songs next week. He goes, well, we're just going to go into the studio on Saturday. And I want you to bring in lyrics. And it's your character. So you write from your perspective. And I'll bring in some ideas. And Gary, the his like musical director, he's going to come in with some melodies. And we'll just, we'll figure it out. And so we would go in, we would shoot Monday to Friday, go in on a Saturday to the studio, hang out and jam and talk and talk about the character and talk about relationships and write these songs. It was wild. Oh, John. Oh, John Carney. What a, <laughs>
3: what, what a way. I love it. And, it, I mean, obviously it all works out perfectly in the end. Yeah. Like what was the first song that you, you had to record then? And, it was right? Meat
5: in the Middle. We wrote and recorded that in six hours. And that was the first time I met Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well, who was like, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, we're shooting the scene on Tuesday where we're on a rooftop singing to each other. So I guess we have to write a song now. And we wrote that song and we were like, oh, that's, that actually sounds good. And then I said, okay, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to practice this before I record it. And he's like, no, no, just go in the booth and just just put it down. Like if we don't like it, we won't use it. And that ended up being the tune. And Gary puts the music to it. And yeah, and then by the three, four days later, we are up on the roof performing it, and that's the movie.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, what was the first lyric? I love. I mean, I love hearing songwriting process. So, like, what was the first lyric? What
5: was the first lyric? I I can't remember what the first ly- lyric was, but I remember in High Life, I remember one of my lines was, um, "I hate you for reminding me of me." You know, because it's yeah. about like this mother and son. And I kind of felt like their relationship, they were so similar in so many ways. And you know, when your kid or your your mom or your dad, they remind you of the bits of yourself that you don't yeah. like. And that's where the friction is. And so I remember that one line specifically, wanting to get that in there. How, I mean,
3: what was that like? Because she's such a great character. So what was it like, I guess, expressing those feelings and where she's at through song, like, And these incredible numbers that you have.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's so anti-Flora, I think, to sort of break into song. And I was nervous about that because she's so real and so no bullshit. Like, you know, she thinks she's not into all the corny stuff. But what John sort of taught me was he was like, go watch Guys and Dolls because he was like, they're kind of holding back with each other. They're not yeah. like singing to each other like they're on a Broadway play. They're sort of teasing each other with it and playing with with each other. And that kind of helped me. So when we were on that rooftop and Joseph comes out and he's sort of trying to egg me on and I'm sitting there going, no, I don't, I'm not buying into this. I don't want to do it. And then reluctantly I kind of join in. And I think that that kind of worked um, for her character.
3: Yeah you mentioned how hit, like you know people were laughing during the screen at the the yeah the premiere and it is you know it's really funny at times and then you know it goes the, the other way but um talk about like i guess tapping into flora mm-hmm. and you know how much you related mm-hmm. to who she is as a person because you said like you know when you read it like the script so
5: much you. relate to her i mean She's a Dublin woman and I guess we grew up in different ways, but we're both from a very small town, and I grew up around so many floras. I was a flora as a teenager. Like <laughs> I was at like the beginning scene where you see me in the dance floor. That was me at like fourteen breaking into clubs <laughs> in Dublin. Um so I don't know. That's there's the humor of her. There's also like the the no self pity thing, the deflecting with humor, not wanting to talk about her problems, not wanting to talk about, you know, real stuff. Um, that's so Irish, and so a part of who I am. Um, and I was also very much raised by a lot of different kind of floras in my life. <laughs> you know, like, uh, there's parts of my mum in there, you know, towards the end where it, like a lot of people who've seen the movie are like, oh, I can see Ali in that. Yeah. Um the way that I kind of look at him and but there's also I had so many like crazy fun, amazing babysitters. I had this one babysitter who used to pick me up from school and she would flash her tits at all the kids <laughs> <laughs> when she picked us up from primary school. And she was just like full of life full of fun crazy into like dj techno music like you know just like such a good time and she is a huge part of like who i am she you know so i thought about her a lot i thought about you know her and her friends and um yeah there's just so many characters that i um grew up around that i saw in flora
3: Gosh, we love a wild babysitter story, right? Oh, my like, God, she's the best. I that just wouldn't so happen much. now,
5: right? Like, yeah, geez. and I brought her to to our, like, friends and family screening, and she was, like, dying laughing. <laughs> she was so proud of me. She was crying. She was like, everyone's got to watch this. She told all of her friends. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um,
3: what was that whole experience like for you? Like, just, you know, obviously working with John... You know, starring opposite Joseph and Oren, who plays Max, is incredible, so like, amazing. that dynamic. And just overcoming these things that you were like, I'm never going to sing, and I'm never going to play guitar on screen, and here you are.
5: I know. So weird, because I never would have gone in this direction. I completely went into acting and was like, I'm an actor, and that's it. And I like I played music when I was young, but completely left that life, and... It came around at a time where I also kind of like just didn't really care what people thought about me. So I was like, well, I'm going to go for this experience because I love this part. Um, but it's been so rewarding. It's been like, why did I care that much? Why was I so scared? Like it, I, it all worked out. And I'm so proud of the work that we did. And it was just a special, one of those experiences that I guess pe- movie making should be, but it yeah. never really is. And it was actually like fantastic
3: oh my goodness um I mean we're sitting here it is award season and people are actually talking about the music being original song contenders Mm -hmm. I mean what is that whole what is that like for you to to be in this I guess be to be in the conversation and
5: it's amazing I mean so again not like on my bucket list of things that I thought I was going to do in my life not like on my bingo card <laughs> like it's been such a special surprise that people love this movie and really love the music yeah. especially being a part of writing it as well like I you're an actor and you like hope one day you're nominated for awards but not I never thought it would yeah. be like songwriting so it's it's funny in a in a way but it's also kind of perfect and I mean, I'm so, so, so proud of, of those songs and I love them. And so many people say to me, like, I watched the movie three times and I can't stop listening to the soundtrack. And High Life is my favorite song. And it's like, you know, I just didn't think that this would be the outcome, but it's, it's great.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to ask you, obviously, like, you know, the, the parent, the reaction from the parents.
5: Yeah. Just seeing
3: where what you've done on your own. Mm-hmm. you know, as an actor and just this this incredible reception to Flora and Son and
5: yeah. you did it without their help. Yeah, well, I mean, not entirely without their help. I always got their help <laughs> because like, every, you know, getting in the door is like yeah. a big battle. So it's never going to be without their help. But yeah, I did go out on my own and, you know, do all of the stuff. And I mean, it's funny like being back here in LA and like they had all these posters of Flora and Son like, all over and I was like oh my god like I used to drive around here like crying after shitty auditions being like I'm never gonna work so like seeing yeah that journey is is great and my parents were here and they were like oh my god seeing you up on that billboard you know they're driving by and taking videos and I think it's just it's such an up and down business and I yeah. know you know, the failures, and I've, I've been through it all. So to have a moment where it feels um, like a nice, nice high, I'm just kind of riding it and hopefully it'll last.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you keep going in an industry that is very up and down? And, you know, when you audition, you don't always get every role, right? Yeah. So, yeah, how do you keep?
5: You You end up kind of like having a very sort of thick skin you become very sort of jaded and you're like oh well of course I'm not going to get that part you know but when you're young it breaks your heart a little bit um but also I kind of like the sort of push and pull of of the business and um you know it's like one step forward one step back and it it keeps it keeps it exciting you know and you grow and then you're interested in different characters or different directors or different stories and that's what it's supposed to be, I guess, if you're an actor.
3: Yeah. Um, we have to talk about Bad Sisters. Yeah. I mean, that show, it was huge in, in the UK and mm-hmm. in Europe. And then I feel like the, the traction for it to, to take off here was a bit slow, but then it suddenly took off and everybody was watching it. Yes. Um, <clears throat>
5: season two, have you started that? And we what have. Can you tell us? We're a few months in now. It's fantastic. I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to jinx us. I really don't. And I'm sure Sharon will be like, don't say anything. But I was nervous sitting down to read the scripts and I was blown away. She has come up with a way to continue the story in such a clever, of course, because she's a genius. Like, why would you doubt it? But... You know, you never know what season 2 what it's going to be. The scripts are fantastic, the story is fantastic, the characters, everything. It's so good. I mean, we could screw it up, but I don't think we are. I think everyone sort of knows their characters really well. They know what the show is now, we know what the tone is that we're really kind of confident and then pushing it to the next level. I I I think it's going to be good I don't want knock on wood (laughs) Not wood I'm sure it will be as
3: you said you know you've got Sharon at the helm and she's just one of the best in the business Um, tell us a little bit about you like what have you been you know when you're not working when you're not promoting Flora and Son like or writing songs I mean Mm -hmm. like what what are you watching and
5: binging oh my god I watch like reality TV (laughs) it's
3: terrible (laughs) no what shows we we want to
5: know the what it's terrible (laughs) but I don't know there's something about reality tv because I don't know anything about it I don't know how it's made when you watch a movie you're like kind of working a little bit you're a bit like oh yeah I see and oh that's a night shoot that must have been tiring or whatever it is but reality tv is just like oh yeah baby um below deck Mm -hmm. I love Below Deck. And then recently I, um, this is terrible, but I got into Vanderpump Rules. (laughs) (laughs) I think you and everybody else got into Vanderpump Rules.
3: I didn't even know
5: anything about it, never heard of it before. And then I was like way in there. Yeah. Deep, deep in in Vanderpump. Um, But that's kind of what I do. When I'm not working, I like hang out with my cat, I hang out with my friends. We cook, we watch TV, you know, like just... yeah. Relax,
0: And Bravo's on in the background.
5: It, all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's Florence and Son star Eve Hewson. The film is currently streaming on Apple TV+. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.